My name is Sean Thomas, and I'm the author of Be More Today, a 40-day guide to a better version of you. As doctor of physical therapy, I've seen thousands of people do great things. They came to me with ailments, physical ailments, pain, issues, and they got through them, all because they decided in their mind they were going to do it. So I wrote a book about it. Your thoughts can make you great, or they can make you crumble. Those thoughts actually control everything in your life. I have three things I want you to do. Starts. Things I want you to start doing in your life that you said you wanted to do at some point in time. You said them. Stops. Things I want you to stop doing in your life, which I know you also want to stop. And three goals for your lives. And I take you through a 40-day guide to make sure you take those thoughts for those three things into reality. Now, I put some workouts in there too. Workouts to keep you always on the move because you got to keep moving. you got to stay focused. So, 40 days. Thoughts, workouts, you. And all I want you to do is trust the process and just be persistent. Visit BeMoreTodayBook.com. That's right, BeMoreTodayBook.com. And I guarantee you, if you just trust the process and be persistent, you too can be the best version of you. What's going on, folks? Your boy again, Dr. Sean Thomas, back in the building, episode 66 of the Be More Today show. We are back, we are back, we are back in the building. And folks, it's been great. Uh, 66 episodes, we're pushing forward, growing every single week. I got to thank you all for your love and support. It has been a lot of fun. Uh, 36 countries and counting. Uh, continue to push forward, and it's all thanks to your love and support. So continue to follow us to Be More Today. Uh, the podcast information, my book that's out there trending everywhere on Am- uh, Amazon and other places. Our YouTube workouts that we continue to put out there every single week for you guys. Uh, we're just really excited about this time of life. Uh, things are opening again and things feel like we're back, right? We're back, we're back, we're back, we're back, as I always say. And it's been fun. Um, I had a, a great week. I've been on vacation this whole week and I'm recognizing that I need to rest. Um you push forward and be, I'm all about being more today, right? You gotta be more. Great. Completely agree with all that. But you also have to rest. And um, I've used this week to really just rest and relax. And it's been really, really fun. But the quotation I got from this week also, which always inspires me as I always share, is by T. Sorensen. And it says, you will never experience personal growth if you fear taking chances. Uh, last week, I had a guy on the show, uh, Jamie Schreier, DPT, and he really inspired me to go and start my own practice, or at least to work on the, the movement for starting my own practice. But with those things, you got to find a space. Uh, and you have to be fearless enough, as we've talked about, to go out there and be mindful of what you need. Uh, be ready to, to take chances, to talk to people, to uh, assess where you want to be, because your fear can hold you back from getting to where you want to be. But like Jamie said, there are certain things we have to actually go through to figure out how to find a space, how to finance that space how to get to be in a place where you can ask for a loan for a certain space. And you need to find, find people who can help you to do that. So as I always do on my show, I try to find people who I know, because I know a lot of people who are doing, again, ordinary people, extraordinary things. So I said, who in my world could I talk to about how I would possibly finance a space or a building to start my own practice? And of course, my boy came to my mind, Mr. Bali Kumar. Now listen, folks. I have a lot of friends, um, but this guy right here, 
besides being a brainiac on his own regard, also from Harlem, right? Uh, uh, also went to Brown, Bruno, you know. Uh, this guy is the epitome of class uh, and the epitome of education. Uh, Bali Kumar currently is the chief operating officer for Pace Loan Group. He joined uh, PLG in 2001 as chief operating officer, but Bali has served as a management consultant for Deloitte, a transactional attorney at Postgar, the executive director of Michigan's Wayne County Land Bank, and the CEO of Lean and Green Michigan, the PACE program administrator in Michigan. Bali graduated with a BA from Brown University, Bruno, you know, a MSc from the London School of Economics, and a JD from Berkeley Law. It doesn't get any better than that. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pets included, please welcome to the stage my boy and the man with the master plan, Bali Kumar. Bali, what is going on? Good morning, good morning. Uh, it's always a good morning when when you're up, when you're at him, when you're about to grind. So happy to be here. Love talking to you. Miss you. Hope we can spend some time physically together soon. Yeah, man. I really appreciate you. You know, people don't notice, but, you know, we we were matched up as like a mentor-mentee kind of a thing at Brown. And um, I didn't know that we had so many similarities in terms of being from Harlem. I didn't know that, you know, we had similarities in terms of uh, your family being, uh, you know, half Indian, half, half African-American, and me marrying someone of that same regard and having a daughter who basically is you, <laughs> right, in baby form or in toddler form. So, it's just been a cool experience watching your journey, watching you grow, uh, seeing you do so many things. And I had to invite you on a certain to help mentor us and mentor me on how we should be looking for certain things in terms of our finances and especially in terms of, of um, fiscal decisions when it comes to businesses and loans and uh, uh, who better to have on a show right now at this time than you. So thank you so much for being on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I had a number of lawyers on the show. Uh, some have been personal injury, some have been criminal defense, but we've never had a, a financial or fiscal or litigation or transactional attorney on this show. I just wanted you to, if you could, for a couple minutes, just to let the listeners know um, what kind of law that you practice or at least started practicing when it came to uh, fiscal or financial um, business issues. And just to share with them, um, some of the things you, you've been doing in terms of, of that and how you've used your degree to extend to the jobs you've done so far. Definitely. I think my path is more circuitous than most. I feel like a lot of folks, like my one of my childhood best friends, I remember we were like nine and we're having lunch uh, in the cafeteria in a public school in Harlem. And he's like, when I grow up, I want to be an accountant. And he grew up and he was an accountant. And I'm like, man, that's so crazy. Like, who knew what I answered that question with? Uh, because I've always changed. I, I went into Brown. I was supposed to be a chemical engineer because I liked chemistry in high school. And then I ended up majoring in uh, race and ethnic studies, uh, double majored with South Asia studies. And almost, I, if I took like two more classes, I could have triple majored with Africana studies. So I was like, okay, uh, you know, I'm a pivoter. Uh, after I graduated, I had studied abroad in London and I promised my London friends I would come back. So I did a master's degree in London. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not like I had a path and I went for it. I just sort of, I think that, you know, they say life is short, but life is long. And so I think every experience that I accumulate makes me better, more well-rounded, smarter, uh, 
more well positioned for the future. Um, after a couple of years, and so I did the masters, and I wanted to stay. So I was like, all right, who's going to give me a work visa? Ended up doing management consulting at Deloitte. Um, but I didn't think I wanted to stay forever and become a partner. And I was like, you know, I feel like I want to do something a bit more mission driven. Um, and so I was like, all right, I'm going to go to law school and I'm going to target law schools that I think are, are going to give me the network of folks who over what I hope is a long career doing whatever I'm going to do are, are going to nudge me in the, in the right direction. Um, you know, I feel like I've selected into pools of people like people at Brown, people at Berkeley, even people at the London School of Economics who uh, share my values. And I think, you know, I think people are very hot topic about politics now, but I just think politics are a reflection of our values. And so, you know, the policies that I want to see enacted, I'm surrounding myself with the best and brightest of those folks. And so we can keep collaborating over the years. Um, went to Berkeley. I uh, thought I was going to be a civil rights lawyer or something. And then noticed that all of that stuff is litigation. And my least favorite part about law school was, you know, reading cases, writing briefs, arguing things in mock trials. And I was like, oh, uh oh, the whole reason I went to law school is now out of the toilet because I can't. I'm not going to do the thing that I thought I was going to do. So ended up taking a job at a big law firm called Proskauer in the New York office. And I think of law as two different branches. You're either a litigator or you do transactional law. And so if you're a litigator, you're going to court, you're writing briefs, you're, you know, you're arguing things, you're, you're arguing motions. And that's very contentious. And then I think of transactional law as, Everybody's re everybody's angling for the same kind of outcome. Everybody wants a certain deal to occur, whether it's a real estate deal or a finance deal, you know, settling on finance terms or an employment agreement. All these things, you know, there's some negotiation here and there, but everybody wants the same outcome. And so it feels less contentious to me. And it dovetailed with my management consulting experience. So I was like, okay, this is probably a good jumping off point for me because again like nobody has to do something forever everybody can do whatever they want for however long they want i don't know actually that that's starting to reek of of privilege so like you know it is a privilege to be able to do whatever you want for however long you want and so i've been super privileged in that respect um had a good start to my career but i think it wasn't sustainable for me to be you know always at the whim of clients, pulling all-nighters, sleeping underneath my desk, you know. The paycheck was nice, but it, it, life is nicer. So I was like, all right, I'm going to leave and try to do something more mission-driven because that has always been what I've wanted to do. And I had some friends from law school. They invited me out to Geneva, Switzerland, and they said, let's start a company. Let's raise a fund and invest in clean energy and infrastructure projects in sub-Saharan Africa. And I was like, okay, mission driven, let's do it. You know, it's going to take some time to get off the ground. I've saved up uh, some cash over the past year. Let's go. And I discovered it's way harder <laughs> to, to, to raise a fund. 
to raise you know millions of dollars to invest in projects to select the right projects to select trustworthy projects to monitor projects from afar and i was like okay good thought not for me at least at this time in life so moved on and then came back to the states where a buddy of mine said hey <clears throat> trump's president all the obama biden people from dc they're leaving and we're we're all going to go back to our homes and we're going to make a difference on the local level and you say you're interested in this kind of stuff but you keep doing all this corporate stuff so don't talk about it be about it and gave him my resume ended up getting a job at Wayne County uh running the Wayne County Land Bank which is a government agency tasked with or a quasi governmental agency tasked with putting unproductive properties back into productive use so working with uh community folks working with real estate developers uh working with urban planners and just trying to figure out what to do with vacant parcels of land in and around metro detroit uh from there i met a guy and i think a lot of life is serendipity so i you know i think a lot about like meritocracy versus non meritocracy and i think that there's this false narrative that we live in this uh this meritocracy where everybody who's successful did something or affirmatively like earned that success and a lot of my success is luck or or the absence of bad luck like testing into the prep for prep program means that on various test days you know i think it was like three test days plus an iq test plus three interviews i didn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed or there wasn't crazy noise outside from police cars fire trucks dog fights whatever or that family stuff wasn't crazy and messed up my day so i couldn't be on my game on each of those you know each of those seven moments um you know yes preparation has to meet opportunity too but you know there's a lot of fortune in that respect there's a lot of fortune in me running into who is now congressman Andy Levin he was running the pace program in Michigan property assessed clean energy which uh the pace program at leading green michigan is a public private partnership where a private entity runs this clean energy finance program on behalf of local governments because it saves local government staff time taxpayer dollars etc um i you know serendipitously got paired up with him and he said oh you're perfect for this you have business experience you have real estate experience and you have transactional law experience and that's what pace is and you know i was like oh okay cool I uh, got into it, ran the program for a couple of years, um and and then through that met my my now team at Pace Loan Group where instead of administering this clean energy finance program on behalf of local governments, we lend money to property owners around the nation. And so you know, we're working on projects all over. It's like commercial real estate finance but with the little carrot of if you're building something more sustainable um more energy efficient or you're retrofitting your existing building you can unlock a a more favorable type of finance that isn't otherwise available in the market wow 
Listen, that by itself is incredible um, to see the journey from what appeared to be a typical law school route, right? Because a lot of people say, yeah, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer, I want to be this, and they do it. And then that's it. And they do that for 15, 20 years, right? They sustain a job, either one place doing the same thing for a long period of time. But I, I think everyone has used this, this term pivot, especially after COVID-19, especially after all we've been through, to adapt to situations that, that, that they've either seen or to just, like you said, to piggyback on opportunities that have been placed in their hands. And I, I agree with you. I, I think everything happens for a reason. I think that we're all connected for some, whatever purpose it may be. And that things sometimes just are all about timing. Timing is everything. And, and for you, the story of how everything is perfectly aligned, where you took tidbits of information from every job you took, every experience you had, and then pace comes along. And yeah, you're the perfect candidate for it because you've been groomed for this thing f- f- from the beginning. So that, that's incredible. That's incredible. I have so many questions about pace because pace sounds like it's an amazing program. Um, First of all, I, I love the fact that you guys are giving back. Um, and, and, and it seems like it's a program that, yes, is is affording opportunities for business owners to have their own places. But with, with the caveat or with the extra notice of saying, look, let's get back to the community. Let's get back to our environment. Let's get back to our people around us while you're doing that. Why is that such an important um, foundation for PACE? I mean, PACE at its heart is is policy, right? The Property Assessed Clean Energy Act uh, has been enacted in 38 states plus DC, uh, to my knowledge. And, you know, every state has its own PACE Act and its own Property Assessed Clean Energy Act. And it's just policymakers coming together saying, how do we incentivize people who aren't already incentivized to build better buildings, to, to think about sustainability, to push them in that direction, because they say we only have 10 years to make real, real lasting change on this earth if we want to be on this earth. And we are, we're already seeing, wasn't it like 110 degrees in, in Oregon? And a lot of folks in Oregon don't even have air conditioners because it doesn't get that hot. So that's like life-threateningly hot. And it's it's that hot because there is some sort of climate change going on. And I don't like the concept of global warming because then people are like, oh, well, what about when it's really cold? It's not warm now. But it's like, clearly there's some sort of shift happening and we need to act quickly. But there are a lot of folks who are most incentivized by the bottom line, right? Like some folks are very triple bottom line oriented. Some folks are less so. And you got to convince them to do what is the right thing by showing them that it works for the profit and loss statement. And so this type of financing is interesting because it works with the local governments to put a voluntary special assessment on their property tax. And that's basically local government involvement. Uh, So it's private dollars, they come in. So we lend money to people. We work with the local government to get them to put it on their property tax bill. And then they pay it back over a longer period of time than a bank would give them. So you go to a bank and you're like, oh, I need a new roof and I'm going to throw some solar on it. The bank would be like, cool, we'll give you a five-year loan. Mm -hmm. And maybe you spend, you spend, you know, let's say you spend half a million dollars in this new roof with solar and over five years, you got to pay back 
$100,000 a year plus interest, call it $150,000 a year. Over five years, you might save $80,000 a year, but that's a losing proposition. Why would I spend $150,000 a year to save $80,000 a year, Mm -hmm. even though it's the right thing to do? Mm -hmm. But instead of stretching it out over five years from a bank, because that's what banks are comfortable with, we as pace lenders are like, oh, it's a tax assessment. And with working with the local government to lay the tax assessment, we'll give you a 20-year loan such that you're saving 80 grand a year, but you're only paying us back 60 grand a year. So in that case, you're actually generating side revenue for the company because right. instead of wasting 80 grand a year in your in your energy bills, you're you've cut it down and realized, you know, a $20,000 delta which inures to the benefit of the company. Right. So what are the, what are some of the roadblocks that you've seen where, where people are interested in doing this, but then they decide not to. Like, what are some of the things that people uh, say, look, this sounds like a great idea, but I'm not gonna do it because this, this, and the third. Yeah. Honestly, I'd say one of the roadblocks is before you even get to the door, like a lot of people just haven't heard of it. Um, Pace financing, I think at the very beginning came from California. It was seen as sort of something that made sense in the policy world, but didn't make sense in reality. So, a lot of people have never heard of it. And the people who had heard of it at least a few years ago were like, ah, I've heard of it. Sounds really complicated. And they would just immediately dismiss it and would just go back to the old ways of either not upgrading buildings or or going to the bank or maybe paying for upgrades out of pocket, which means you're really just doing the low-hanging fruit. You're not doing like deep retrofits if you're paying out of pocket. Then you're just like, hmm, what can I save the most over a period of time? And that's lights. Lights pay themselves off in like a year. New doors and roofs and stuff pay themselves off after like 30 years. Mm. Um, so I think that's a big hurdle. Uh, another hurdle, honestly, and this is like super in the weeds, is that because this is a tax assessment, all the pieces of legislation nationwide or like the overwhelming majority require that if there's a mortgage on the property, that mortgage holder has to consent to pace being laid on the property uh, because it impacts their calculations, right? Uh, uh, Property taxes are always paid before mortgage in the event of some sort of default. And so the senior lender has to consent. And a lot of times senior lenders are just like, no, I'm not going to consent. Never heard of this. Seems complicated. Seems like my you're threatening my position as the senior lien holder. Um, and so there's a lot of conversations going on and there have been over the past number of years to get banks to consent to this new sort of financing. So are you guys in New York? We're all over. Uh, it's interesting because New York City just opened their PACE program. Interesting. And they opened it with a bang. They did... An $89 million retrofit of an existing building on Wall Street. And that is their first project. And immediately, New York City has gone from not having a program to being the sixth largest program in the nation. And all the other programs are state programs. Mm. So, in that one deal, New York City has done more PACE financing than the state of Michigan over the past uh, eight years. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's funny, you know, New York, 
and I say it because you and I are from there, is always special and, and always, I think, at the forefront for these things when they are available. Um, I, you know, there's so many people in New York, actually we have a couple of friends who have just built gardens and like, um, you know, grass rooftops on, on, on their patios just to get back to the environment. And, and, and they've done these makeshift things, yes, for the environment, but also for, for themselves in, in, in other regards. So to have a program like this that actually gives you a, a, a financial bump or, you know, assistance when you actually do things for the environment, I, I think people are going to eat that stuff up. And they've already done that clearly in New York, as you've already said. With, with the spikes and, and the numbers. Um, I'm curious, I have a couple of friends who, you know, are looking into uh, starting their own businesses or looking into storefronts, um, uh, myself included, right? And, and, and possibly uh, obtaining property that could either be um, for commercial use um, or for otherwise. What are some of the things that people should be looking into uh, when considering PACE uh, as, a, as a possible, uh, uh, contractor or a possible uh, company to work with? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> whenever I quote a deal, I want to look at folks' sources and uses, pro forma, and budget. One, because if you don't have these things, then like it's hard to feel like, you know, if, if somebody comes to me and they say, oh, like I want to borrow money. And they don't have these things. And I'm like, have you really thought this through? Like, does this work? Do the numbers work? Because that's how we're going to underwrite it. Um, and sources and uses are just sort of like, all right, well, you're going to use this money on what? And you like label it out. And that, you know, maybe that adds up to $900,000. And you're like, all right, what are the sources of those finances? Uh, you know, is it, it's not like, in very few instances, will it just be pace, 900000 It'll right. probably be like, you know, I will put in as owner of my business, a hundred thousand dollars. I'll get 250,000 to pace. And that's three fifty. That's five fifty. It's left. And you're like, okay, five fifty. I'll get like a hundred thousand of equity from like, you know, a business partner and then 450,000 from a bank. And so just showing a fully, a fully capitalized deal mm -hmm. goes to show, all right, people have thought about this. They know what it takes uh, to get this done. Presumably, they've talked to the other people to fill out the rest of their capital stack because you know I don't want to lend somebody two hundred fifty thousand dollars and they're still looking for the other six fifty. And right. that's just a recipe for default. Right. Um, budget. So you're going to have this two hundred fifty thousand, and you have to pay it back over twenty years. Uh, maybe you call that thirty grand a year. I don't know, but I don't know what my math is giving me today, but show me that you're budgeting your revenue to pay back all of your expenses plus all of your debt service. Um, and where do these numbers come from? And, you know, like, because if, if you're going to run a business at a loss, that's another recipe for default. Um, right. And so it's just like trying to get people to, to do the appropriate business planning to show their budget and their pro forma to show that, you know, obviously you're never going to be a hundred percent sticking to those projections, but at right. least, at least you've thought about it and, and you're making reasonable assumptions. Yeah. So I was going on your site and I think a lot of people are going to have the same question. Pace is not a mortgage, but it, it, it acts like a mortgage in terms of like, I guess, bridging the gap between 
what a mortgage would do and the equity you would have in, in your in your in your business. How do, how does that work in terms of it not being a mortgage, but it's still being or giving you the, the financial backing you would need to either open up or rebuild your 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 building? Yeah, I think of it. I always tell people PACE is legally a tax, but essentially a loan. Um, and so I know we call ourselves PACE Loan Group, and that's probably an easier thing to call ourselves than mm-hmm. PACE Voluntary Special Assessment on your property tax group. Um, but because it's a property tax, in some jurisdictions, it comes due on your property tax bill. And so that's potentially beneficial if you if you have a mortgage on the property as well, because typically when you have a mortgage, they escrow for your property taxes as well. And so you're just making one payment to your, your commercial mortgage lender. They're escrowing for taxes and it's all getting paid back pretty seamlessly. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Now, is this just for commercial property or just also for like homeowners as well? Interestingly, I say PACE. There are two different types of PACE. There's commercial PACE, C-PACE, and residential PACE, R-PACE. Uh, commercial PACE is the PACE that I've been talking about, and it's you know in 38 states plus D.C. Residential PACE is in three states, um, California, Florida, and Missouri. And they've been still working out the kinks for how do you deal with a situation where you have a contractor trying to sell maybe an unsophisticated homeowner or something, right? Like with commercial pace, you have like a business owner and a lending entity, fairly sophisticated parties negotiating. And that is in and of itself like sufficiently protective of the consumer. Right. Because it's not like some CFO of some company is going to be like, oh, I'm just going to like roll the dice and spend all this money and I'll probably be able to pay it back. Otherwise, I'll lose my my property. But with homeowners, there's the potential for abuse. And it's the residential pace is still a, a widely successful program. But when it's unsuccessful, it huge headline risk. So mm-hmm. think 85 year old grandma has owned her home for 40 years. And somebody knocks on her door and says, ooh, it's, it's real hot this summer. You want some better air conditioners? Let's just swap out your air conditioners and throw some solar on the roof. And it's only going to cost you $70,000. But don't worry. This is a government program. You're going to be fine. And, you know, maybe 85-year-old grandma is like, oh, sounds like a grant. Sounds like a no-brainer. I'll sign here. Uh, and then three years later, because they can't pay the increased property taxes. Mm. Grandma's out on the street. Grandma's 88. Grandma's lost the family home all because some like some sophisticated, more sophisticated person took advantage of her. So I think once they tighten up the consumer protections in residential pace, it'll proliferate more. But as for now, commercial pace is the, the dominant force in my mind. Okay. That's great, Bali. And so what do you think the future is for this thing? I mean, this sounds like it's it's going to really uh, change the way that businesses, for sure, are going to start doing uh, 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 their transaction when it comes to building new companies, building new businesses. Um, and even, especially in New York, I mean, there's so many bills in New York that can benefit from increasing solar use, solar power, solar everything. Uh, I, I feel like it, it's, a, it's a city... 
and even a state that really has so many opportunities for us to really uh, bank on using our natural resources to not only make the, the world a better place, but to also bringing uh, the, 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 the energy you would need to save money um, in the long run. But what do you think the future is for, for this moving forward? You, you've already seen it uh, transcend to various states in terms of the commercial and the, even the home end of it. But what's the future for you think in the next five, 10 years? I think this will be a way for local governments to push whatever sustainability goals they have. Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that is there's uh hey, I'm saying hi. Um, there's, PACE came out in tandem with the Climate Mobilization Act in New York City. And the concept is if you have a commercial building large enough, you're going to be basically hit with carbon taxes if you don't reduce your carbon. And people are like, oh, well, I don't want to be hit with these big fines. What am I going to do? And the city's like, well, you're going to upgrade your buildings and you need to do it before 2024. And people are like, oh my God, that sounds really expensive. How am I going to do that? And they're like, pace financing. And so there are places like New York City, like Ann Arbor, Michigan, you know, various places around the nation that are using regulation to push people in a direction. And pace financing is there to help pay for uh, the upgrades that are being pushed on them. And so I, honestly, I think it's it's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's I, I think I think so, too. I really feel like especially in a city like New York, you know, we're so health conscious when it comes to everything uh, from recycling to planting new trees to, you know, everything that, that is for the most part based on um, things that are good for the environment. I feel like a, a place like New York is a great place for it to really skyrocket. And um yeah, as, as, as you know, in New York City, they're always renovating new buildings and old buildings consistently uh, when it comes to uh, making places different. Even when you come back to New York, you'll, you'll see buildings are going up every, every two minutes, you know, and coming down in, in the same regard. So, you know, I, I hope that really people look at this, take it as an opportunity to, to see the growth that can really happen. Um, I think it, it really bothers me when I still see people, and I was thinking about this the other day, I still see people like littering. Um, throwing things on the ground, uh, uh, you know, in 2021, we, we've been through so much when it comes to whether you believe in global uh, climate change or not, right? Global warming or what have you. And I understand why you don't use that topic because people, whatever. Um, but, you know, it, it's just so interesting that we are still at, at this page or this place in our life's history, still looking at a place where people are still not recycling, still not uh, recognizing that there are things that are happening. You know, even today, it's hot as, as anything today right now. You know what I mean? And and yes, it, it's, it's on the verge of summer, but there have been things that have been changing. And and you don't have to be a rocket scientist to recognize that things are not the same as they were 20 years ago, 15 years ago, right? 30 years ago in terms of how our world is has been revolving and changing in terms of climate. So um, I think what you're doing is great, Bali. I, I really feel like it's uh, going to revolutionize the way that people look at the market, the way that people... in business owners look at how they're going to enhance and improve their, their structures, the way the engineers are going to also look to change the way that they're looking at building buildings and, and renovating buildings. And, you know, as we just came back from New England uh, last week and just seeing 
the solar panels on everyone's house and and the windmills and 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 multiple fields i think that this is going to definitely be the trend that we're going towards uh in in the next couple of years um so i i think you're on the verge of something that's great and the journey that you've taken literally to go from law school and working through all the business realms to this you know it, it it's not surprising that you would be in an environment where you're giving back but at the same time you know still being so successful in it and i think a lot of people get lost in the sense of look i want to i want to get back i want to do something with the community i want to give back to the people i want to give back and make sure that i'm not just doing this thing i mean you mentioned it when you were doing the corporate stuff you were working but you were grinding and it was like where's the life like, i'm not living um, but now you're in a situation where you're able to do that and give back and still live and still make money, which I think is everyone's goal and everyone's dream to really be in a situation where they can do those things, still feel good at what they're doing during the day and still be able to sleep at night knowing that, you know, you're able to, to feed you and your family. So I congratulate you, sir. Uh, I think that what you're doing is fantastic. And I just hope you continue to do it moving forward. Thanks, man. Um, so Bali, you, you know, Be More Today is, is basically the epitome of all that. It's, it's, it's my mantra. It's my book. It's the podcast. It's all the things that we've been putting out there. And it's a phrase that I've asked everyone on the show about what it means to them. So Bali Kumar, you were number 66 on the Be More Today show. When you hear the phrase Be More Today, what does that phrase really mean to you? It makes me, it actually sort of grounds me in the present. Um, I think a lot of people, myself included, have been trapped in sort of living for the future, living for the next step, trying to get to the next step. And it's hard to be present and thoughtful in the moment. And like every moment is is being and you can be your best in every moment. Right. Every decision you make is a decision. It's not some forest from the trees thing. And so, you know, like uh there are things that I've been great at in life and there are things that I've not been great at in life. And during COVID probably eating a Costco sized box of Oreos is not the the best move. Uh, but, and then, you know, there's a lot of like mindless things that happen and it's just about like being mindful and being mindful today, being more today, like being at your best each moment, because that's, that's living life. You know, life isn't the destination. It's the journey and the journey is the moment. And the moments are today. That's it. That's it. So, Bali, any any final tips you want to share with um, aspiring attorneys who want to get into either litigation or or um, into the law portion of, of or the financial portion of law? Um, people who want to learn more about Pace in general or our Pace Loan Group, or anyone who is just trying to. Uh, make a decision if they do or are looking to open up their own storefront or business or 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 company, and they're and they're trying to figure out best ways to finance it, right, or finance it in a way that will be beneficial for them and beneficial for the environment. Yeah. Um. So many thoughts. One, I'll, I'll go in reverse order. I hope. In terms of starting a, a business or you know, buying a property and, and figuring it out. I think it's just about crunching the numbers and finding a way to make the numbers work. Some people rent a storefront because that's how the numbers work for them. Some buy, some buy and then rent out a portion of it. So that way they have a different stream of income. Um, I think just crunching the numbers and finding a way to make the numbers work honestly is, is paramount. So got to do that. I think for folks who are thinking about career stuff, law stuff, 
I just think I got into the law or I got into law school because I was like, let me just take the LSAT. And if I do well in the LSAT, I should be a lawyer. And then I got to law school with people who are like, I've worked for the Innocence Project for five years and I've exonerated people on death row or like I did mock trial for 12 years or I used to work at a big law firm for two years before law school. And I was like, oh, or like, you know, or like my dad was a lawyer or something. And I was like, oh, you guys really want to be lawyers. I just happened to do well enough on the LSAT. And then as I went through law school, I was like, I don't think I really want to be a lawyer. I want to know about the law a bit. But then law is a really expensive hobby. <laughs> if you just want to learn about it, then you end up with all this debt. So I think another thing is crunch the numbers. So I think I, I crunched the numbers in a way where I was like, I won't go to law school if I don't get, if I don't get scholarships. I'm not willing to pay the sticker price for law school because then it'll bind me into something that I may not necessarily want to do forever. And, you know, I bounce around. So I was like, I'll probably do something for a few years and, and bounce. And I don't want to be saddled with, you know, people graduate with a quarter million dollars in debt. So I, I worked the numbers, I worked the scholarship game and, and I was fortunate enough to, to end up in that position. And so I think crunching the numbers matters a lot, I guess, in all walks of life. Listen, but I knew you were destined for greatness when we first met, dude. It was, it was, it was no surprise when I saw uh, and just had been following all the things you've been doing on social media and, and recognizing your journey has been literally uh, a journey that has been uh, substantially greater every single time I looked at it. So um, I'm proud of you. Um, I'm very proud of what you, the work that you're doing. And you know, for those who don't know, um, our friendship is actually uh was cultivated you know almost 20 years ago uh but has continued to grow and grow and grow even though we're in various places so uh i always appreciate you bali and all you've done and you know i just want to say as, as i close out you know I, I really think that your uh tenacity um to recognize that you wanted to do law um so you said you want to do law from from long time ago even from brown i remember you, you saying that and um but your tenacity to recognize that even though you're you you did that or are doing that you find ways to integrate that that teaching and that learning into various practices of your own life and and not just doing that per se but you found ways to do it in a way that again gives back to others um that opens up doors for others to also be successful um and as someone who will hopefully potentially be opening their own their own storefront or their own uh practice at some point in time you know it just gives me hope that uh, there are people like you on the other end who are really looking at the, the benefit of those who do want to do these things. Um, so, you know, I salute you. I'm, I'm proud of you, what you're doing. And I'm grateful that you're helping to make the environment a better place uh, for my daughter, for the future of our, of our earth. And, um, and for those who are still trying to make sure that we can all just be more today as a people, as a country, as a, as a nation, as a world, and all those fun things. So well done. So we appreciate you so much. Like, that's my mentor. You're going <laughs> with this podcast. <laughs> Any final tips you want to share, Bali, with, with anybody out there before we close out? Nah, I think, I think I've given what I got. I appreciate you, sir. You know, it's funny. I forgot that you were prep for prep. Um, <laughs> a lot of people, I think, uh, on the show who have been in the prep for prep program, uh, have gone on to do amazing things. So shout out to Prep for Prep for all the work that they do to continue to uh, prepare, 
right? Prep, prepare our, our young people for the future. Um, you know, you and I, I wasn't a prep or prep kid at all, but um, I have so many people who were, were in those programs and to see where everyone who's been in that program has gone to do great things, it just gives me a lot of hope for the future, a lot of hope for, um, you know, people in general to just go out there and, and do whatever they want to do. They say America is a place you can come and do and be whatever you want to be. But like you said, it does take work. It does take effort. It doesn't just get handed to you. You know, you got to put a lot of work into that. So I think you're the epitome of someone who took an advantage of an opportunity they were given and ran with it and 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 made it the best that it could have ever been. So I just hope that people who are listening can really attest to that and recognize that it's not just about give, being given an opportunity, even with pace, right? They give you an opportunity to go out there and do it, but you got to crush the numbers. You got to go out there and make sure that what you want to put out there actually makes sense, that it actually adds up. And, you know, for those who are saying, yeah, I want to be, be my own throne. I want to have my own business. I want to get my own building. I want to whatever. Yeah, we can all do those things. But unless you crunch the numbers down, unless you actually put those numbers on paper, unless you get advice from someone like a Bali or like someone else um, to go out there and make sure you're making the right decision, it's not going to end well. And like I said in the beginning about my quotation, you will never experience personal growth if you fear taking chances. Take those chances, right? Like Bali did, he took a lot of chances. Take those chances. Go out there. Figure out what you can do. Uh, take the chance on the investments to make your house or your business a better place. Take the chance on going out there and making your storefront uh, or, or buying or renting, whatever you want to do for your business. Go out there and take that chance. Don't be fearful. And at the same time, make sure you're, you're being smart about it. You're getting the numbers done. You're consulting with people like, like Pace or like PLG to make sure you can go out there and, and make the right decisions and make sure you just do what you have to do to be where you want to be. That's the thing, basically, that the take home for this message. So, uh, thank you so much, Bali, for being a guest on this show. You made episode six six one for the book. I appreciate you so much, and I hope to see you back in New York very, very soon. Thanks. And for those who are continuing to follow us, be more today. You can continue to follow us on all platforms. We're everywhere with our podcast, with our book, uh, with our workouts, with our Strava group. On Strava, we have be more today groups. If you are into fitness at all, if you're running and biking, wherever you want to go. Join us on our group and just be a part of the fun, be a part of the movement. We will continue to put out good content for you guys every single Monday. And my boy T. Farrell has his show, uh, Worst Life Podcast, or Worst Life Show every single Wednesday. So continue to follow him uh, for that inspirational move you may need or inspirational push you may need for the rest of the week. We will continue to put out good content for you guys every single week. And just know that I always say, I want you to have a good day, have a good night, have a great life, and continue to take your steps of greatness to be the best version of you. We will see you next week. Enjoy the sun. Peace.